everyone. Welcome back to the Queens of Social Work podcast. I'm your co-host, Queen P. And I'm your co-host, Queen H. We invite you all to join us this week as we share, laugh, cry, and learn through our experiences as women of color who happen to be social workers. So let's get started. We have a treat for you guys today. Now, if you guys have been listening to the show for a while, you know that about every season we have a, a king to come on the show and represent for the kings, okay? So today we're gonna be talking about men and mental health. This is part two of that conversation we started some time ago. So we have a guest. Today we're gonna be speaking with Dana Lewis, who is a licensed clinical social worker and CEO of the mental health group practice, Whole Life Center in Baltimore, Maryland. Dana has been providing therapy to black men and couples for over nine years. He has been committed to working closely with Black men and couples who have experienced anxiety, trauma, depression, and issues around identity. Dana's focus for working with men and couples has been inspired by his own healing journey, and he is passionate about helping men and couples to embrace their most authentic selves so that they can excel in all areas of their lives. All right, one time we're here for that. Okay, Dana, (laughs) over the last two years, has been working with Black men, helping them to become emotionally intelligent so that they can understand themselves better and understand others and thrive in any environment. Welcome, King D. What's good? <laughs> Queens, what's going on? What's good? Glad to be here with you guys. How y'all doing? We are good. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, so with that said, um, can you just let our listeners know your credentials, your certifications? Just, just tell us about you. Enlighten us. Absolutely. So again, my name is Dana Lewis. LCSW-C. I'm a prepared, enriched, certified couples counselor. I'm also a Symbus premarital counselor. So Symbus means saving your marriage before it starts. Premarital counselor. I got my undergrad in psychology from Towson University. And I got my master's in my MSW from Morgan State University. And in between that time, right, while getting my undergrad to my master's, I started my first social work job, which was being a case manager at Baltimore City uh, Department of Social Services Foster Care. And then once I graduated my master's program from Morgan, I got into child protective services here in Baltimore City, got my LMSW, dived into outpatient mental health, went there, did that for a few years, got my C. And then after I got my C, opened up my group practice, which is here today, Whole Life Center which is dedicated to helping individuals break generational curses so they can move into generational healing. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you for sharing a little bit about that. I love this um, premarital counseling piece and on and all of that. Can you tell us about what got you really interested in working with couples? Because, you know, we was in them foster care streets. For sure. And real talk. And so <laughs> coming from that kind of background, um, you know, dealing with child welfare and the, the multi-systemic issues that are in that space already. Like you're walking into the door with all these things happening. What made you decide to leave that and really get into mental health and, and work with couples? I mean, that's not the next question, but you know, it just piqued yeah. my interest when you said it. Absolutely. So what made me want to work with couples is I feel like couples and relationships in general, family is the backbone of our community. And when we have healthy families, when we have strong relationships, that's what keeps the community, you know, held up very high. So me being a part of that, being able to support couples, being able to support families, 
and helping them to navigate various dynamics so that they can heal and move forward. That's what keeps our community sustained is when we have healthy families and strong relationships in our communities. So that's why like, I'm glad to be a couples counselor. That's why I'm passionate as well to be a couples counselor and just help people navigate their marriages, navigate relationships. Because especially in this day and age where I feel as though like family is becoming like an afterthought. You know, people are really thinking differently about family, you know, especially the stuff that we hear on social media about relationships and family. So just being able to help couples and marriages just thrive and just go to the next level in uh, couples counseling. That's why I love doing it. And being married 11 years, I bring that wisdom uh, to couples and help them to navigate uh, certain dynamics. And especially in this day and age with social media, man, you know, you hear the relationship talk, what you bring to the table, you know, she got to be this, he got to be this. And a lot of times people um, are getting misinformed. So being able to be in a position where I'm able to provide clinical insight, clinical advice, clinical suggestions and tools and tips and strategies to help them to navigate. I love that because people need to hear the real from a professional so that their relationships and their marriage can go to the next level. So that's why I love being a couples counselor. And that's why I do what I do. I appreciate that. And listen, I'm hearing that Baltimore accent come through. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Maryland and I went to school in Baltimore for a little while. So right. definitely have that to and do absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> here and there. So I got that. Sorry, y'all. I had to digress for a second, but definitely feeling that um, answer because um, we cannot be using social media right. to define what our marriage, our relationship will be. Only the two people or three, listen, we're not here to judge, um, in the relationship <laughs> can decide what's going to happen, right? Um, and so I think uh, normalizing, really learning how to communicate how to recognize and have insight about our own emotions so that we can communicate that is important. And, and I think for men, um, mm -hmm. because of society, that's not taught in that way to men. And now more and more you hear um, people are speaking about it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, social work and the mental health field are dominated by people who don't look like us, right? We know that. Mm -hmm. Um, so what drew you to not only just the mental health space, but social work, the field of social work, right? What, what made you say, I'm going to be a social worker because it, this wasn't glamorized before. So what, <laughs> right. what's going on? This ain't the, this wasn't the get money, uh, career. So what made you right. want to do this? Wow. That's a good question. So this goes back to my senior year in high school, my first job ever, right? So my first job was mentoring youth through a John Hopkins program, East Baltimore youth, I was mentoring to be exact. So at first I looked at the job far as convenience, right? I didn't have to leave the school and I had to catch multiple buses to get to a location, but my convenience ended up turning to my purpose, right? So I started working with youth and at first it was about helping them with homework assignments, help them with academics, right? But then it started turning to actually having life conversations with these middle school youth talking about some of the experiences that they were going through in and out of school and them looking to me to get insight and advice from a 17 year old at that time and me just being able to pour into them, 
provide them with love and support and just being a listening ear to them was so, so dope to me. And just them being able just to connect with me on that level, I felt very enriched after I left work. You know, I'm like, wow, like this particular student here, we was able to build a connection. I was able to help them navigate a situation. They didn't, they felt like they didn't have nobody to listen to. I was right there. So after I finished that job for the whole year, I went to my advisor at the time and was like, hey, I'm thank you for putting me on to that job down in the cafeteria with John Hopkins and mentoring youth. I want to do this when I graduate. I want to be a mentor at a higher level when I graduate. So then my uh, advisor at the time in, in high school, he was like, hey, man, you might as well be a counselor. Go get your psychology degree, your undergrad in psychology. And then I decided to do that because he could see my passion when I walked into his room that mentoring youth and being a support is something that I wanted to do even after this job. So that's pretty much how I got into social work in itself. Just that job right there, that introduction. And then once I got my psychology degree, I wanted to expand it, of course. So I asked my father, who was in the social work streets, moving heavy, hey, tell me more about what it is that you do. So he was telling me about what he does. And I was like, hey, I want to be a counselor. I'm going to be a therapist like you are. And he was just telling me the ins and outs and just the ways to get into being a therapist and just the other avenues you can do as a social worker to make an impact in the community. And I was like, hey, sign me up. I'm in. Count me in. I'm not caring about the money. I just want to help people to, to thrive, especially in my community, East Baltimore. I want to be that light in my community. And then the rest is history with the Morgan and that's it. And we here. Wow. <laughs> I am loving that for you. Shout out to your dad, by the way, because um, social work saves lives. Yes, it one does. Time, so I know he didn't save quite a few lives. And so interesting. First of all, your teacher telling you to go to psychology school. But you know what? You made your way to social work. And yes. we, we love you for it. <laughs> we love and appreciate you for it because what happened in your youth is that you found a need. You filled a spot that most people probably didn't even realize was there. A lot of cities have programs with like, oh, after school or let's do a basketball thing. Or there's always some kind of community organization that's trying to come up and sprout up in particular cities, right? Um, where they identify urban children and hood disease and all of these things that kind of pop up. And so good for you for recognizing, hey, this, this is something that fulfills me and fulfills them. And yeah. I can be in this space and help others. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to ask about you consciously thinking about your intersectionality, being Black, being male, uh, and what role that plays in delivering service. And I still want to know how you feel about that, how you think about that in your work. Um, do you work specifically with Black people or people who are latin or other ethnicities yeah so i specifically work with you know black men um black couples yeah so it's safe to say you think consciously about your intersectionality and what you bring to the table absolutely and when i think about that i think about the conversations that i've been having with black men over these years when i think about my work and the conversations that i've been having with black men over the years is that Black men feel afraid to show their most authentic selves because they feel as though they, they will get attacked. 
So say for instance, hey, if I show somebody that I'm weak or experiencing weakness as a as a black man, I might be considered a mark at that point. If I'm sharing that I'm depressed, I can't share that I'm depressed with those around me because they looking at me to be the one to be responsible for them and holding them down and looking out for them. So I can't say that I'm depressed. If I'm saying that, hey, I'm anxious right now, I'm dealing with a lot of stress. I can't share that with those around me because then they'll get anxious and then they'll get stressed and then what are they going to do? And then on the flip side of that, the positive side of that is when I've had conversations with Black men, some Black men are even afraid to have conversations about positive things that's going on in their life. So say, for instance, if they are really happy about life, people around them might say, oh, he acting like a clown. He acting silly. Or, hey, I'm really in love with this woman. Oh, man, you a simp. You loving all hard, you a simp. Or if I'm accomplishing things in my life and I'm sharing that with the people that's in my community, I got to act like I've been there before. So basically having a conversation with Black men over the years is that we got to suppress both negative feelings and positive feelings, which then leads us to not be human. So then that means we have to show up stoic in certain places and spaces. But in order for us to release ourselves from that, we have to make that decision and say, you know what? I'm going to live out my authenticity. I'm going to give myself the permission to live out being an authentic Black man. So having those conversations makes me think about how I'm presenting myself in the space when I'm doing my work with Black men and just making sure that I provide a space where that Black man can just express himself authentically. I'm not here to judge him. I'm not here to show bias towards him. I'm not here to cut off anything that he wants to express. But I always look to provide a space where Black men can just feel at home and just share their experiences and helping them to navigate how they need to navigate so that they can live out the full expression of being a Black man in society. So that's how consciously, when I think about my work, I think about those conversations uh, that I've had with Black men over the years. Yeah, that's really real because um, it's it's difficult, yeah. right? We know that it's difficult, especially as a, as a Black man, you know, given everything historically and present, right? We don't even just have to go historically. We can talk about in the present and everything that um, we are up against. And so to even acknowledge your feelings when you have so many things that you're contending with, right? Um, and 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 just trying to stay alive, right? Not, not over, just thrive, right? Trying to stay alive, right? So many things against you. So I think it's, it's, it's so important for Black men to have the space where they can um, learn, grow, and then be able to decide who they want to be, not what anyone wants them to be or who they think they should be, right? Who do I want to be? And um, that just makes, you know, makes me think about what can we do to help young men feel or be connected to their own mental health? Like what are some steps or what advice can you give or guidance? Yeah. So with that, I feel as though like we still need to have these unstigmatized conversations with young Black men when it comes to mental health. So steady having this conversation about what is mental health? How do I invest in my overall well-being? Even having a conversation about debunking 
these negative stereotypes when it comes to black men expressing their emotions, expressing their feelings, right? So I have a, a friend of mine who's a director at the YMCA here in Baltimore, Maryland, and he decided to start this initiative where he gets with therapists that he knows personally and he deploys them to certain schools to talk to youth about mental health. So he asked me to come on and say, hey, Dana, I want you to connect with some young men at this particular high school. I want to gather them in a group and you come in and talk about mental health from a black man's perspective. So he brought me in. He gathered all the young men at the time in the cafeteria. And we just started having real unadulterated conversations, right, about mental health and just allowing those brothers right there, those young men, just to be able to express themselves, express their emotions. We talking about what it is to be a healed Black man. We talked about how it is to express our emotions. We talked about, again, some of those stereotypes that keep us from not sharing what's going on in our lives or not seeking help. So just having those environments, those spaces created where we can, as Black men, young Black men at that, come in and talk about our experiences. Also, using our platforms like this podcast, our social media platforms to keep spreading positive messaging about Black men and mental health and sharing that with young Black men as well. And another thing that I suggest is that Black men that's in therapy with me and they are loving the experience, they're getting some wins in therapy, I always suggest to them if you are feeling great about your experience in therapy, share that with another young Black man in your family or in your community about you going through the process of your healing journey and what therapy has been for you working with your therapist. So I had a couple of my male clients do that, saying, hey, Dana, I just shared with my nephew about my experience working with you. So I'm, I'm telling him, tap in with you. Then I have another brother that told his son Hey, I'm working with Mr. Lewis. He's a dope therapist. It's not what you think when it comes to therapy. We able to have a conversation. So black men sharing with other young kings about their experience too is a way that we can help to normalize mental health and make it feel safe for young black men to tap in and, and express what they need to get off of their chest and tap into their healing as well. And I think it's important also to encourage those young black men that are interested, just like how you were encouraged to go into psychology, yeah. right? To encourage, mentor other young black men to become social workers, to become therapists, to become, you know, all of these things, because the more that it seemed like we are here, maybe it's not so, so wrong. Right. right. And I think, um, it's, it's one of those things is, is, is providing the education, right? Like you said, uh, um, about therapy. When sometimes when, when I'm seeing people or I'm helping um, my staff see people in, in, mm -hmm. in the hospital, they're like, oh, we don't need therapy. I don't need therapy. I'm not crazy, quote unquote. Right. Sitting down and talk. I said, well, don't you sit and talk to this person about what's going on and what you feel and in, in your healing process after what's happened to you and why you're in the hospital. I said, do you know you, you just kind of did some therapy with them there? Oh, I didn't even realize that's what therapy, oh yeah, you know, this is what we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And so trying to get them to see it's not what they think, mm 
and you don't have to be quote unquote crazy to get it. Everybody has problems, everybody has struggles, and we need to know how to manage them, right? Making it simple for them to understand that piece, right? Yeah, and I like what you said um, as far as like, quote unquote crazy, like you don't have to necessarily be crazy to get mental health services because mental health is just life. Things I need to navigate in life. Hey, I might've lost somebody that was close to me. I need to talk to somebody, you know? I might be transitioning to a new community. I need to talk to somebody. Oh, hey, I, I got this new level of success that I just inherited. I need to know how to navigate that. So mental health is not about quote unquote being crazy. Mental health is life and everybody needs somebody that they can talk to outside of their circle that is unbiased, that is unobjective and can just provide that insight. And it's like getting a tune-up, you know, every car needs a tune-up, every car needs an oil change. So coming in to see a therapist allows your oil to get changed so that you can get poured back into and you can go on and do life um, again and again and again. Indeed, King D, indeed. So you need to refill your cup in order to fill other cups. Absolutely. Okay. So what else is important for you to let the people know? So to my brothers that may be tapping into this uh, episode, I just want to let them know that it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to cry. It's okay to show your emotions. It's okay to be vulnerable. And it's okay to not know all the answers to your life. It's okay because we are constantly learning. We are constantly growing. And going back to what I said about it's okay to go to therapy, just because you make the decision to go to therapy doesn't mean that you are bad or that you are a problem. But making that decision to go into therapy is basically communicating that you're worthy of a person in a space, in a place to be able to express all of your experiences being able to get an unbiased view and being able to feel loved on and safe as you're in a space with another Black man to talk about your experience. You deserve that and you're worthy of that. So never feel as though like I'm going there because I'm quote unquote crazy. No, this is something that you deserve and is necessary for your next level as a man in healing. So I just wanted to share that with my kings and maybe listening in. Thank you for that, right? It's, it's about total wellness, right? Just like you need to go to the doctor for your body, right? Something happened. Listen, you got to go take care of your mind too. Because if one way out the other doesn't work, right? Right. So that's that's beautiful. So how can the people get in touch with you? Please tell them. <laughs> so you can get in contact with me at IG, urban underscore counselor. And you can tap in with me at my group practice, Whole Life Center website, www.wholelifecenterservices.org. We got spaces open and we're ready to serve you. So come and tap in. That's right. You hear that out in Maryland? Come on, look him up. Yes. Holla, holla at him, holla at him. <laughs> tap in. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kingy, for showing up and um, adding your voice uh, to this discussion. And please, 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 um, you all encourage, support, and let's let's continue to, to encourage good mental health for everyone. Absolutely. Thank you, Queens, for having me on. If you guys want to connect with us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at the Queens of Social Work Pod 
or on Instagram at the Queens of Social Work. If you want more information on the topic we discussed today, feel free to check out our show notes or email us at thequeensofsocialwork at gmail.com. We'd really appreciate it if you rate, review, and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. 